to the 12 Elements, a podcast dedicated to print competition for professional photographers with your host, Mark Ayler. Welcome everyone to episode one of the 12 Elements podcast. Wow, I've been planning this podcast for a couple of months, so I'm really excited to kick it off. I plan on focusing interviewing professional photographers about print competition, their images, and related topics. Some weeks I'll interview photographers and images they've submitted to PPA print competitions. Other weeks I'll talk to judges to get pointers or information from them. This week is the latter case. So I'm very excited to have Larry Lurcy on the phone today. I saw Larry speak at our state convention a couple years ago. He was one of our print judges and he did a session that really changed the way I look at print competition. Larry hails from Dallas, Texas. He's a member of the IPC committee and his work has appeared on the cover of Professional Photographer Magazine, and he recently even completed a gallery art show this past year. Larry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, you know, Larry, uh, your experience is, as a judge is really is awesome, and you've always been a great instructor to me. I've talked to you different times about print competition images that I had, and you're always very willing to give your opinion and give me some direction. When we talk about the 12 elements as photographers, particularly the 12 elements of a merit print, but you've talked about the 12 elements that make up a non-merit print. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, we're all pretty much familiar, you should be familiar with the 12 elements of the merit image. It's PPA promotes that pretty uh, extensively, you know, things like impact, creativity, color balance, subject matter, right. uh, those type things. And, and those are all very important. My problem I had was trying to figure out, you know, when you're first starting out and you're trying to incorporate all that into one image and it kind of gets overwhelming. And what I ended up doing, well, the first thing I did is I decided that I wanted to take the judging class. I had no intention of judging. Um, I just wanted to kind of get a kind of inside peek into what the judges are looking for and all that type of stuff because I thought it might help me to uh, produce better competition images. And then I kind of fell in love with the whole process and ended up judging um, but what was interesting was having done both sides of it, both as someone entering competition and then as a judge looking at it from the other side, sure. um, I kind of got an interesting perspective. I started noticing that when the images didn't merit, the vast majority of the time, you know, 90% of the time, to me, it seemed like they were all not meriting for essentially one of the same, the same reasons kept cropping up. Um, it's, it's not like there's a million different reasons. It seemed like to me that the same type things kept tripping people up. And so that's when I kind of put together the 12 elements of the non-merit image. Sure. And, uh, and kind of running it, kind of a list, uh, uh, of the things that, you know, if you can avoid these things, you're in pretty good shape. You know, you obviously need to have all the other elements. You still want to have impact, creativity and storytelling, those type things. But, um, these are the things that you can kind of do, have a kind of a mental checklist in your, in your head. And if you haven't made any of these mistakes, you've got a big advantage over. Um, sure. I probably made, a, I probably have made most, if not all of them. <laughs> well, everybody has. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, a lot of these, you don't necessarily get these from, um, from, from just reading about it. There's a lot of stuff, the same mistakes, you know, I've made or noticed other people making, you know, so it's by no means uh, something that's exclusive to things like that. And, and still, you know, because I'll, I'll look back, and I, I had the same, you know, everybody, I was talking to someone just the other day, 
uh, about an image that they had entered and they had already revised it four or five times and just kept working at it. And I was like, I remember I had an image like that that I kept trying to enter over and over. And you know, finally you get to the point that it's just, I need to move on to something else. You know, this just doesn't have it. And, you know, a lot of times when you start looking back and it's because of, of some of these things that, that we're holding it back. So, but I can certainly, uh, I guess, kind of run through my list for you and then uh, see what, what you think, if you got anything you want to add on any of these. That'd be great. I would love to hear them. All right. Well, first one is, first element is poor print quality. And, um, if you're entering a print, this is when the, you know, the image comes around and the blacks aren't really black, and it probably looks great when you're holding it, but when they put it under those competition lights, it just kind of goes milky and loses a lot of impact. The um, digital equivalent of that is one that looks great on your monitor because you don't really have it calibrated, and when it comes up on the judge's monitor, again, it, it, it's either too dark, too light, or it's got a color shift or something like sure. that, so... Uh, the, the print quality or image quality, however you want to put it, is the first one. The uh, second one is presentation. And by presentation, we're talking about, you know, the, the border around the image, that type thing. I do a lot of critiques for, um, you know, PPVA offers critiques when you enter at the district and national level now. And um, I've done a ton of those critiques for people. And one of the ones that's really common is with first-time people entering is presentation. They just enter a full-bleed image without any sort of border around it or anything like that. And it's not to say that you can't do really well with an image with no presentation, but it's pretty rare um, that you, if you don't have some sort of a mat around it or something. Right. And, yeah, my uh, first images that I did, no no presentation at all on that. To, uh, looking back, and generally like, when that comes up, when you're judging and one comes up, the first thought in your mind is kind of, even if it's subconsciously, is that it's, it's someone that's brand new to competition and they just... You know, and there's usually going to be other flaws with it as well. Sure. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a telltale sign of someone that hasn't really done competition that much. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's the thing. You've got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. But uh, next one, another big one is bad title. Where, uh, And this can fall into a whole bunch of categories. Foreign language is always dicey. You know, I remember being on a panel one time, and they were saying, um, like, Bon Appetit. And we're like, what's Bon Appetit? And they're like, Bon Appetit. And they said, can you repeat the title, Bon Appetit? And then finally it's somebody, somebody goes, I think it's Bon Appetit. And you think that, well, everybody knows that term. You know, I'm, you know, Feliz Navidad. Everybody knows that phrase. You know, but, man, I'm telling you, all it takes is one person and it happens to be the person that's reading the titles that doesn't know your title. And it just causes confusion. Not that it you know, uh, people talk about taking away points and things like that. It doesn't really work that way. But if when the image rolls around and my brain is focused on, well, what do they mean by bon appetit? Instead of enjoying your image, that doesn't help. The other big one with titles is a descriptive title. And um, like an example of that is it's a portrait of a little girl, and they call it Emily. And, you know, obviously that's the little girl's name, but there's no storytelling in that. That's just telling me what it is. You see it also a lot with um, uh, scenics and things, and they'll they'll title it, you know, Coyote Pass, Montana or oh, something. Right. And that's just not a very interesting title. It needs to be, you know, something that's whatever the, the, um, the, the mood was that you were trying to capture. You know, when you saw that scene, you know, what did it, 
was it inspiring to you? Was it sad? Was it gloomy? You know, what 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 you're trying to impart, and then that's your chance, kind of, to give the judges a little nudge in the right direction of here's what I was trying to do. I was trying to go for the, you know, old west type thing, and so you're going to use a title that has kind of an old west feel to it. Sure. And so, uh, bad titles, it's really not something so much that hurts an image as much. A lot of times, it's just a missed opportunity to push us in the right direction. Because, you know, you're sitting there as a judge, and you're looking at a lot of images. And sometimes something comes up that's really obvious afterwards. Someone will say, well, yeah, that's a, you know, blah, 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 and they'll describe it to you, and you're like, man, I just didn't get that at all when it came up. I just, you know, missed it. So, uh, title's a big one. Um, Common subject matter is a pretty common one. Oh, sure. You know, uh, you'll see, for example... um, a mother holding a baby. I mean, we've all seen pictures of mother hold, mothers holding baby, or even better, I'll tell you an even better one, the baby suspended kind of from a, a little hammock thing from a tree branch. Oh, right. Right. I mean, you know, we've over the last few years, we've all seen that image hundreds of times. Or the big muscular arm and hand with the baby kind of curled up in it. You know, we've all seen that a hundred million times. And so it's not that you can't do well with an image like that, but you've got to take it to the next level. You've got to do it really well and light it beautifully and pose it beautifully because there's no originality to it. So, you know, if you don't have the originality, you've got to make up for it with technical. And, uh, and that's often hard to do. So right. going with a very common subject matter makes things more difficult. Again, it's not that you can't score really well with something like that, but it's more difficult if it's something that we've seen a million times. So, um, again, originality will will help you with that. Right. Um, poor lighting. You know, flash on camera or just really flat lighting. It's tough because it's something you can't really fix in Photoshop. And when something comes up flat, and a lot of times you don't even notice. It's not even like your brain registers and says, oh, flat lighting. Your brain just kind of goes, eh, it's not as exciting. Yeah. And and that kind of falls into the the subject matter when we're talking about that a lot of times, you know, one of the elements of the merit image is impact. And impact is really hard sometimes to define, and it's very subjective, you know. A lot of times people will show me an image, and I'll say, well, there's nothing really wrong with it. It just doesn't have any impact for me. It just doesn't excite me. It doesn't, you know, if I was walking through a, a gallery and it was on the wall, I would go right past it. You know, there's nothing to fix. It just isn't exciting. And that's, you know, the the funny thing about that is the next judge may go, oh, man, this just really moves me. Because you're influenced by so many things, you know. Uh, you know, if you don't have children, you can't stand children, you're not going to be as emotionally drawn to a picture of a child as opposed to if you just had your first child, for example, and someone enters a picture of a baby, you're probably going to be a little more emotionally tied to it. And so a lot of that stuff's just kind of stuff that's going on in your brain with subject matter, but then the lighting is what really kind of gives it that three-dimensional feel. And again, people that are new tend to um, have trouble with the uh, with the lighting. Right. And those so, kind of all tie together, right? The presentation, or the bad title, the common subject matter, and that lighting can all kind of play t- together, right? Oh, sure. All of them really do, uh, to, to some extent. Um, yeah, the next one fits right in there, too, which is out of focus. And you would think, my God, no one would ever enter anything out of focus. And all the time people enter stuff that's out of focus, a lot. 
you know, when you go up to look at it uh, and you get up close and you're like, ooh, and you get back. And I can't tell you how many times there's been one that I've challenged. You know, it didn't score as high as I had it, and I should challenge it. And then you get up close and look at it up close, and you're like, oh, boy, never mind, you know. Yeah, well, Larry, <laughs> that's my style. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and that's and that's not to say, you know, you can't have a picture of a – a flower that's got this beautiful, soft, focus feel to it. But again, soft focus and out of focus is kind of two different things. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's up to the, uh, up to the eye of the beholder, I guess. Right. But you know, there's so many times, and you'll ask people about it, you'll say, you realize that it's a little bug on a flower, so you realize the bug's out of focus. And they're like, yeah, I didn't see it till I got the print back, but it was too late. You know, the prints were due on Friday. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> so people will knowingly enter stuff out of focus, I think, and just hope that it flies by. But you got to generally have something in focus in the image, especially one of the things that gets people in trouble is they'll try and shoot something at, you know, 1.8 or something, some sort of a wide open aperture, and the eyes will be sharp. At least one of the eyes will be sharp. But, like, the second eye is a little softer, and, you know, and you're like, well, that's just the look. But the problem you run into is some judges will say, oh, that's that's cool, that's the look. They're just going for a shallow depth field. Other people will say, well, you know, the little boy is the subject, and most of him's out of focus. You know, one of his eyes is soft. And so, to me, that's a, a dicey thing to get into with that really shallow depth field because it starts looking like mistakes. So Right. But that's the first six. Any question about those? Are you still? No, still I think those are all great. It? The uh, uh, the uh, lighting errors. I've had my share of those. Where you just you're right. You can't really fix a lot of that in Photoshop. It's tough to do. And, and so, that's, and that's one right. of the hardest ones of all these to fix is is lighting. I say it's one of the hardest. It's also probably the one that the, the most information is out there because there's there's kind of let's say there's a right and wrong way to light, but. There's, it's not as gray area as titles and things like that where everybody gives you different opinions. Most people can agree on what good lighting is, and there's a lot of resources out there um, to get better at lighting, but uh, a lot of it's just moving away from flat lighting. Right. So, anyways, uh, but all right, so move on to the next one, and these next two kind of almost could be combined into one. The first is overworked eyes. So and this trend is starting to back down a little bit. Uh, it's not as bad as it used to be, but you'll get people that go in and the whites of the eyes, they just completely obliterate any sort of detail in there and just make them pure white. And, you know, it creates that look where when it comes around under the lights or comes up on the monitor, the eyes are just completely jump out at you, which I'm sure someone would argue, well, that's the point, but it just gives it a very unreal look. So if you're going for some sort of it's a monster or a witch or something that you want it to look unreal and have these strange eyes, but the problem is people do it with, you know, a little four-year-old girl or something. Right. Well, it's part of the zombie apocalypse, right? Right. right. It could be. could be. If, and if that's your theme, go for it, I guess. <laughs> but And that kind of dovetails into the next one, which is overdone Photoshop in, in general, where they go in and you just do way too much uh, to an image. You know, you go, you you do way too much uh, cleanup. You um, maybe a ton of filters, like you've just run a whole bunch of filters over something, and to the point that you can't really even see the image anymore. Um, you know, Photoshop's just a great tool. It's just it's so easy to to overuse to go in and retouch somebody to the point that there's just no detail left in their face at all, and it starts looking weird. You know, and I always say. 
for, you know, when, like with my own stuff, I always do that retouching on a separate layer and then go back, you know, the next day and look at it and decide, do I want to pull that down a little bit? Um, I'll tell you, like the whites of the eyes, going back to that last one, I don't ever touch the whites of the eyes on any image, whether it's competition or clients. Uh, it's just my personal thing. The only exception to that is if you get somebody that has one of those really standout big red vein going through their eyes because they're really bloodshot or something. In oh, that right, case, I'd, yeah. probably go, I'd probably go take that out. But I like a little bit of veins and stuff in there because I think it makes it look more natural, and it's generally not distracting. It's more distracting when you take it out. So um, that would just be my two cents on that. Yeah. Um, Another that's kind of along those lines is digital errors, clone tracks. And talking about when you know you've got a big area that you're trying to fill in with grass, and you do it, and then all of a sudden we can see that you took the grass from right next to it, and then you see it repeating through the image three or four times. It happens a lot in trees where people are trying to fill in those um, the openings where the sun's coming through the trees, and they go and they just patch pieces of trees in there, but you start noticing it over and over. I remember one time we were judging an image, and uh, a beautiful image. It was going down like a, a walkway or something with big trees covering it and everything, and it was, we had been challenged a couple of times, scores getting up really high, and all of a sudden somebody said, yeah, see that stick down there in the bottom right, and then look to the left, and then up above, and, above, and all of a sudden we saw like 10 different instances of the exact oh, no. same twigs <laughs> going across the foreground, you know, and it's like, ugh. You know, it just killed the score. Yeah. And that's just the type of thing you have to be aware of and easy enough to avoid. You just can't keep picking from the same area. Uh, but that's something that's fairly common that people do. just takes one judge to ruin my Photoshop work. Right. Well, I'll tell you, are you guys, are you in the North Central District? Yeah. I was there judging this recent go around here not long ago and there was an image that I remember somebody was fighting for trying to get it um, challenged up to the next category or something and all of a sudden somebody discovered that there was like an extra like the we were calling it the phantom ear that somehow one of the layers had shifted over or something or someone had accidentally cloned and basically it was right next to the person it was a portrait of a guy as I remember and like three or four inches to the right was his exact ear. I mean, barely like a maybe two, three percent opacity. You could just barely see it. Oh, right. But then once you saw it, it was like there's an ear floating right next to his head. You know, and it was just something that somebody missed. And um, you know, that stuff happens. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, and this is kind of unrelated to to this one, but one of the things you'll run into that falls kind of into this Photoshop realm is um, you'll have someone say, uh, be like, you know, you can see where someone dropped a sky in. Or you say, well, this person's been dropped into this scene. And uh, it's funny because, you know, every once in a while there's somebody and they'll contact you afterwards and say, hey, you know, I, you know uh, the judges all were upset because they said that I dropped this person into the scene, but they really were in the scene. You know, I really didn't drop the sky in. That's really what the sky looks like and sometimes that happens i had an image one time of a guy sitting in the street with cars going past him and he was really there and it was doing really well and one of the judges said oh look at this i can kind of see a halo around him i see where he's been dropped in all of a sudden all the scores came back down oh, and right. uh <laughs> just kill it killed it it ended up going lone when i sent it into national so it did well but 
you know, it just killed it because somebody, you know, guessed wrong and thought they could see something. It wasn't there. And, and that's always very frustrating when that happens. But what I tell people is for every time that's happened, that I've been unjustly accused of dropping something in or swapping out a sky, for every time that happens, there's probably 20, 30, 40 times that I do do something and they don't catch it. So, you know, I guess you can't be mad about them catching that stuff if they're not catching your other stuff. Yeah, they always so, catch uh, my they always catch my stuff every single time. Yeah, well, <laughs> you just got to get better at it. I guess. But you know, I, you know, honestly, that's all you got to do. Those are that's one of the things that's an easy fix because all you have to do in this day and age is so much easier easier now in in this digital thing that we're in is. You just send that to a couple. It doesn't have to be a judge. Just someone that you know is really good at Photoshop. You know, that's a real detail type person. And you know, uh, Richard Sturdivant, a buddy of mine here in Dallas. And I will send him something if it's a anything that has a lot of compositing or anything Photoshop stuff done. And I'm curious to see if it'll sneak by. That's the guy I'm going to send it to. You know, you kind of know people that are good at certain things. And that's the pe- people you send that to and say, hey, how does this look? You know, if you want it to be really hard, you say, hey, look, I dropped the sky in. Can you tell? But I prefer just to send it and say, hey, how does this look? And then, you know, generally, if you show it to a couple of people that know what they're doing, someone's going to say, hey, man, what's, what's the deal with the sky? It looks like you dropped the sky in. You know, so right. that's just a matter of doing it a little bit ahead of time. So, uh, But anyways, all that kind of Photoshop goes in together. Next one is uh, areas with no detail. And this one comes up a lot with brides. You know, you've got to have uh, detail in that wedding dress, and that is one of those things that's just a merit killer that someone spots a blown-out dress and your score is going to suffer. Sure. And, yeah. You know, that's one that you're always going to look at it. When you're judging a bridal portrait, your eye is naturally going to scan that dress, and if you see a big area of white blown out, you know, it happens with the, the darks, too. We have an area with no detail in the shadows where it just blocks up to black, those are things that generally are going to hurt your score. Some judge is going to bring it up and say, hey, the blacks are blocked up or the white's blown out. And, again, all these things are exceptions. You could, I'm certain somebody could go through the loan book and say, well, here's one right here where the whites are all blown out. Here's one with a Spanish title. You know, here's one. Yeah. There's exceptions to all these things. Uh, but I think by the time you're at that point that you're dealing with those type issues, um, then a lot of these rules don't apply to you. Sure, you know, this sense. is more the stuff that's going to catch people that are trying to learn the system. So, uh, let's see where we got uh, another one: bad posing, which is pretty self-explanatory. But you see it a lot with engagement shots and things like that, where uh, it just looks very static, or the person's. One of the things I, I notice a lot is you'll have a couple together, a bride and groom, let's say. And the bride will be beautifully posed. They've got her curved and leaning against the guy. And the guy's just standing there flat-footed. This looks really weird. Or she's, like, kissing him, and he's got his hands just to his side. And it just seems really weird. And you think, well, God, who would do that? But people enter them all the time, or it's just odd posing. And, again, that's a harder one. That's kind of a comes with experimenting and... uh not quite as much of an easy fix, but it's certainly something you can check off before you enter. You go, is this posing good? Right. Um, well, I think or, in that you case, know, you, you could have titled it. You probably could have titled that one like Awkward Sibling Portrait or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, you certainly could. You, you'd have a better chance <laughs> if you, um, you know, 
something like, you know, how the guy's a stiff or, you know, just <laughs> there you, go. No, you know, whatever. Yeah, you could, you could try, but, you know, you're better off getting, again, someone you know that you look at their work and go, man, I love how they pose their bride and grooms. And then you send them that image and say, hey, how do you think I did with this posing? You know, maybe they don't write back, but maybe they go, oh, you know, maybe try this, this, and this. And, or, you know, posing, a lot of times, my God, you just flat out copy a pose until you learn it. You know, you watch how someone else poses their bride and groom, and you try and do a very similar type posing. And, you know, you just kind of learn by copying. I mean, that's how people did for hundreds of years, master painters. So, sure. you know, I, I don't think there's anything too big about that. But um, but that's another big one. So how far we got there? Is that 11? That is 11, yes. I think that is 11, which brings me to the biggest one, the number one reason for not meriting, and that is not entering. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> sure. It is so tough because you'll see somebody say, well, how'd you do? Oh, I didn't enter. Oh, yeah, I just didn't get a chance to get stuff put together. And by far, you can't do worse than than not entering. That you you could zero, enter four, and they all four get 70s, and I would take that over not entering. I mean, it'd be tough to swallow, but... You know, still it's 280 more points than the person that didn't enter. I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that was going to start entering for the first time. I said, it really, in my mind, doesn't matter what you do the first time out. You send four images to your district, and uh, they all get 75, let's say. So you got a 300-point print case. All that matters is that next year you get more than 300 you know, you don't have to have 400 or 500 or any crazy number. I mean, it's just, it comes down to how much, you know, are, are you improving and how much more can you improve off what you did the year before? And when you kind of get your head wrapped around that and stop worrying about, you know, we've got this one guy in our district that wins all the awards and, you know, or this person at our state keeps winning the state, you got to just focus on beating yourself every year every time you raise that score and suddenly things will start falling into place and you'll start competing against some of these big name people that seem to win everything. Yeah. Uh, it just, it can't help but happen. If your scores keep going up, eventually you're going to get into that realm. It's just a matter of most people enter. If they don't do well the first time they stop, you know? Yeah. So. One of my first years out, I did a portrait of a, it's kind of a robot woman. It was looked like it was being torn apart and, I thought that the image was really cool. I guess the judges, I didn't, wasn't in the room when they talked about it, but the uh, it started really well, and then it just kept working all its way down to not even hanging. So I was uh -huh. like, that was pretty disappointing. Yeah, and that but, happens, you know, and it, it's tough. You know, like I said, a lot of times it's some sort of a flaw comes out that, you know, no one had noticed, and then once you see that, then you see something else, and all of a sudden it's loaded with flaws. Yeah, just snowballs you know, on um, you. Well, you know, I go back year after year. Do what? I go back year after year. Yeah. And that's all you can do. You know, I mean, really, just actively entering. Now, again, if you enter four or five years in a row and the score's not going up, then I think you've got to take a look at, okay, either I'm not getting enough feedback or I'm not listening to the feedback. or I'm, You know, I mean, you shouldn't be stagnant like that because um, – then I think you've got something that you're just not doing it right. I think you've got to find a better mentor or something, you know, to kind of guide you along. But generally, you're going to fix problems. You know, you're going to have one year and everything gets knocked out because um, 
the posing so terrible. You know, it's the common thread. All four years, somebody says the posing wasn't good. And then you really work on your posing that year, and the next year, the nobody says anything about the posing, but they say, you know, your color balance. You didn't do a good job of, you know, whatever. And uh, on one hand, it's kind of frustrating because it seems like there's always a problem. But on the other hand, you're slowly fixing all these things, and then your day-to-day work, you're posing better and you're color balancing and all that type thing. Sure. Um, but like I said, by far, it's the, the biggest thing. It's so funny. We were talking earlier about the uh, have a DVD on print competition that I put together. And after I first did it, the very first uh, convention I went to, sold a bunch of them. And after a couple of weeks, I said, I'm going to contact all these people and just kind of get their feedback on, you know, did I cover everything that they thought was going to be covered? You know, what questions? You know, just kind of how, how happy were they with, with the DVD? And I, I bet I called 20 people and not a single one had watched it. This was like two or three weeks after the convention. Right. And it was just at first, I mean, the first person I was like, I hung up with him like, oh, my God, I spent you know, this money buying something and no one watched it. And then I called the next person. By about the fifth or sixth one, it was like I already knew that <laughs> I, it was more just calling them out of formality. And every single person said, oh, got it sitting right here. I'm going to watch it this weekend. And and it was just it was just amazing to me that, you know, and I, I think maybe just people get overwhelmed or something and uh, – don't do it, but really, if you just take it piece by piece and look at it as getting a little bit better every time, it's like invaluable for improving your photography because you, know, you don't really have the camera to fall back on anymore. It used to be you had this professional camera, and that's what set you apart from everybody. Now everybody's got professional cameras, right? Yeah, and uh, you got to be producing stuff that's uh, above and beyond, and that's what's so great about print competition. You know, as frustrating as it can be. Um, it's going to make you uh, get better. And it's just not the same as, you know, people that just watch print competition. It's one thing for me to sit there and watch the judges beat up your print, but it's a whole different animal for me to sit there and watch them beat up my print. Yeah. Yeah. I have to to check out that DVD. Is that still available? Yes. And, um, what I can do actually is I'll do a, uh, like a coupon code for that thing. So if anybody wants to get one of those things here in the next couple of weeks, I don't know when this thing's coming out, but, uh, uh, when you get to the shopping cart, just put in help, H-E-L-P 25, and it'll take 25% off. Oh, that's so. awesome. Thank you very much, Lori. Yeah. I think it has to be all caps, so H-E-L-P 25. Oh, super. And I'll try and send you a link to that. Or Yeah, that sounds great. I'll, I'll post, post it, it with, this, uh, with the podcast. And what that is basically is basic uh, my thought of if I could go back in time before I started over, this is the stuff I wish I knew. Knowing what I know now you know, this is what I wish I had known when I started because it makes a whole lot more sense. And one of the things we talk about is these 12 elements, um, both of the merit and the non-merit. So um, so I, I think it's pretty helpful. Oh, that's I've awesome. gotten pretty good feedback from it from the people that watch it. Now, if you don't watch it, uh, I can assure you it's not going to help you at all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just owning it probably will sense. not help you. But maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe it will. Sure. Well, Larry, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today and Hope you have a great rest of your week. Sure thing. And uh, I will guess I'll let you go then. Thanks so much. All righty. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Well, that wraps up the premiere episode of the 12 Elements podcast. My name is Mark Ayler, and I've enjoyed being your host today. I hope you've enjoyed my interview with Larry Lursey. If you have, go check out Larry's work, and don't forget the coupon code for his DVD. As a reminder, the code is all caps. H-E-L-P 25. If you have competition prints that have merited, 
I would love to talk to you about them on a future episode. You can contact me through my website or via email at the12elements at mark-oehler.com. Also, check out the website for the show notes, including links to Larry's DVD. Thanks for joining me today. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please take a moment and give a rating and comment on iTunes.